Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello, folks, and welcome to the Game Day Premier League preview podcast from Talk Sport with me, Sam Matterface, Darren Lewis from The Mirror, and Talk Sport's transfer guru, Alex Crook. Pep ready to pounce with a city team that love turning up on other people's turf. Also, this week, a clash of styles as David Moyes takes on Marcelo Bielsa, but don't talk about philosophy in front of Jose, for whom possession is not nine tenths of the law. Quite rightly, winning is. Spurs go to Palace. Chelsea are off to Everton. Sheffield United are off to listen to Southampton's latest concerto. Details coming up. All on the podcast that is looking forward to Thursday nights in Moldova. It's the Game Day Premier League preview podcast from Talks. Sport. Oh, what a night. Out in Leipzig about half past nine. Ollie bringing on defenders in stoppage time. What a feeling, what a night. Oh, is that not how the song goes? <laughs> no? Oh. I think I was singing something a bit different, to be honest, but I, 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 like, I like your style. <laughs> Well, hello to assistant editor of the Daily Mirror, Darren Lewis. How are you? Enjoying your singing oh, a you, great so, deal. You, you're happy with that? I only did it for Crook. I only did it for I'd Crook. like a bit more of that during the show. Please. Oh, I'll try and work it in. Alex, how are you? Average. <laughs> no, no better than usual then. Um, so should we, um, do, you want, do you want to get into this uh, Ollie thing now? Do you want to do it during the Manchester United, Manchester City preview? How, how are you? Just want, just want to air your frustrations, first of all. Well, I can hammer him now and during the Manchester City preview. I'm not particularly fussed. Um, No, I think, first of all, you have to doff your cap and say it's a remarkable achievement um, to win away from home in Paris and put five past Leipzig and still manage to get yourself knocked out of the group is absolutely incredible. Uh, Back-to-back weeks, you go into a match only needing a draw. You play far too gung-ho in both matches. And in the second one, to be 2-0 down in 15 minutes in a match you don't have to win. I mean, I, I was lost for words, as you know from the uh, <laughs> millions of messages that I was firing over to you during the game. But they ne- they nearly did it again. They nearly got away with it in that second half, got it back to 3-2. If they got it back to 3-3, there are some Manchester United fans who would have been howling Ole Gunnar Solskjaer a genius. But actually, as it's been the case in the Premier League week after week with all those comeback wins, it would have been paper- papering over the cracks. There's some good players in that Manchester United team. Just need a proper manager to take charge of them and install some tactical discipline. I think they'll be fine. Okay, well, let's uh, have a look at the Premier League because this weekend they are in sharp focus because they welcome Manchester City live on Talksport at five thirty. 
no coming back this time. Manchester United, the artful dodgers of away defeat, are out of the Champions League. We didn't perform as a team well enough, and that's that's always the, the manager's uh, responsibility. Down the left, Greenwood, lovely oh. take, what a swivel, what a hit, what a comeback from Manchester United. For us, it's a, t- a chance to turn that uh, doubt into uh, belief. Finds Foden, who turns and scores, and it's a brilliant equaliser from Manchester City. I know for a year I was not here, we were the noisy neighbours. First United is a derby, and I know exactly what does it mean. And we are off and underway as Manchester Manchester City take on Manchester United. Um, Should we quickly discuss the politics surrounding Solskjaer before we get into the sort of tactical battle of the game itself for Darren? I I usually try to balance it out and say, well, he's hit par over the course of his two years in charge, third most points in the league since his appointment, three semi-finals, etc. But that performance in Leipzig was actually one of such chaos, such uncontrolled jumble of tactics with no clear plan. He and the players, by the way, it's not just him, it is very hard to defend, isn't it? How perilous is the situation for him, do you think? It's been perilous, Sam. It isn't as if they, they were going on nicely and then suddenly this has come from the clouds. We've talked about the inconsistency and the inability to trust Manchester United for weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, the stat for you, they've conceded the first goal in several of their last nine games. They got away with it against clubs like uh, West Ham. They got away with it against Southampton. They got away with it. Uh, they got away with it against Everton as well. But when you come up against good sides, sides who know how to finish, stick their chances away, you come unstuck. That's what's happening to Manchester United. If they start badly at the weekend against City, they're going to get ripped apart. Yeah, I mean, because... it, could, it could be an end up being a, a why always me moment, couldn't it? I mean, 6-1. Absolutely. Listen, Harry Maguire came out after the game last uh, the other night and he said, we didn't start well. How many times can Harry Maguire or any other Man United player come out after matches and say, we didn't start well? You're Manchester United. It should be incumbent on you to start well from the, from the minute you're in the tunnel, you should be switched on, let alone when the first whistle goes. And this is the problem. Oli is a nice guy. He's loved by the club. The, the statistics at the moment paper over, as you were saying, Crook, so many cracks. They're five points off the top with a game in hand. And that's illusory because if you look at the performances, they are due a real shellacking against the top team. And I think that it will get worse. And that's why I think that they, I saw a really good piece in the Telegraph by Matt Law saying that they should actually press the button now and get Pochettino in before it gets worse. Otherwise, A, they could lose Pochettino to someone else or B, they could find themselves cut adrift and not even with a chance of getting into a top four, let alone competing for the title. It's, it's ridiculous that they could compete for the title because the, but the results can they? are masking some serious... Statistically, they can. As I said, they're five points up the top. they got the game in hand. But statistically, if you look at their expected points, Darren, players. if you look at their expected points over the course of the season, which is a very good measure as to whether or not you're punching above your weight or not, I mean, they are well over. So it isn't going to continue, is it? I mean, a bit like yeah. we, we had this conversation a few uh, a years ago, me and Crook about Southampton and when they were struggling badly. And, you know, he was sort of, you know, almost uh, uh, distraught about the fact that he thought they were going to go down. I said to him, look, they're scoring enough goals. They, they've got expected goals and points telling you that they are going to get better over time. The expected goals and points are telling you Manchester United are going to get worse at some point, Crook. 
United are in a false position in the league. And, and the phrase that I keep using in relation to Solskjaer is wasting their time. While yeah. clubs like Liverpool and Chelsea and Tottenham and Manchester City get stronger, United are putting their faith in someone who, as you say, is a nice guy, great to deal with. You can argue whether or not he's a club legend. He scored a legendary goal. I'm not necessarily sure that makes him a club legend. Um, meanwhile, Pochettino is there waiting for Ed Woodward to pick up the phone. It's gutless leadership from Ed Woodward because in his heart of heart, he must know he's in, he's in and around the, 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 the training ground day in, day out. He must know they're going nowhere under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But history tells us that Woodward only sacks managers when it's mathematically impossible to qualify for the Champions League. So this is going to go on and on and on. The match itself, let's look at it from both sides. City were beaten home and away by Manchester United last season. Pep would have been thinking about this for quite some while, but sometimes he can overthink things, Darren, can he, and try a little bit too hard. This is a team that haven't scored anywhere near the number of goals that you would expect them to score, do you think they'll win? Absolutely, think I think they'll win. Absolutely, I think um, it'll be interesting to see when Aguero plays, and that's going to be quite key because he's still feeling his way back. But the goal he scored in the Champions League on Wednesday night was quite key because it showed that he's back in the old routine. The, the manner of the goal, too, you know, really good predatory instincts to to get onto the bits and pieces after the goalkeeper keeps the first header out from the set piece. If they bring him on in the second half, United will probably be at it by then because they tend to turn up in the second half of games. But like I said, as he's feeling his way back into the, the picture, it, it'll be interesting to see if he comes on, if he if he starts a match. I'll, I'll be surprised if he does because they're being really patient, really careful with him. But either way, I still think City have it within them within themselves to take advantage if they start slowly. And I expect them to start slowly again, because under Solskjaer, that's what they do. Uh, counter-attacking is their forte, though, Manchester United. Uh, and they are wounded. They do, as you've already pointed out, Crook, have good players. But their last two performances have been horror shows. Does that suggest that this unpredictable side are actually due a decent performance? <laughs> I love the fact that your glass is half full. I think I'm trying to balance it up because everywhere else in this in this little pod, everyone's quite depressed about Manchester United. I, I guess if you're trying to look for omens or, or silver linings, it, it's Solskjaer's record against Manchester City, which is very good. Um, and uh, actually, in, in recent years, United have pulled results out against the near neighbour that you wouldn't expect them to. Um, I think the point you make about counter-attacking is an interesting one because we know that Pep Guardiola's side like to dominate the ball, like to play on the front foot. If they do that, then that will play into Manchester United's strengths. But I think I think United will be a bit shell-shocked after what happened in Europe in midweek. You use the word chaotic, and I think that sums up um, the recent past very well. I, I think Manchester City will be too strong. I actually think Aguero might start the game, um, to be honest. As Darren said, they have let him feel his way back, but Pep might see this as an ideal opportunity to get his main man uh, back leading the line. I think if City score early, as, as other teams have done against United in the last few weeks, then it could get very ugly. Um, Manchester City have suffered just one defeat in their last 11 away games, and despite a lack of firepower, Aguero is back, and they have been keeping clean sheets. They've kept four in their last five away games. And it's in first time of the volley, and it's a brilliant goal by Neto, and Wolves lead by two goals to nil. I'm expecting a very tough game, a very, very difficult game against a very good team. And they've got one back, and it's Tyro Mings for Aston Villa. We feel that we're stronger this season with the additions we've made and, and the experience we've got from last season. 
Also on Saturday is a big West Midlands clash as well as Wolves welcome Aston Villa at lunchtime live on TalkSport 12.30 and Wolves did the double over Villa last season and the fact that they managed just three shots against Liverpool shows that they are now struggling to fill that Raul Jimenez hole in their 11. Uh, Nuno Espirito Santo likes working with a tight squad. Does, does that sort of come under question now in the season of multiple games and quick turnarounds, Crook? Yeah, I think it does. I, th- I think it has to. Um, and as we said on the... Uh, the review pod um, with Matt Holland at the weekend, that the loss of Jimenez can't be understated. He's such a talisman, such a focal point for that team. It's an awful lot of pressure on the shoulders of, of Fabio Silva, who, who played, what, 12 games before making that mega money move to Molyneux. And I also think, and, and again, we touched on this on the day of the injury, from a mental perspective, as a player, when you've seen your teammates suffer such a severe injury, I think that's going to leave scars. Uh, and I wonder... If, um, you know, the fact that Wolves perhaps weren't putting their bodies on the line as as much as they would normally do against Liverpool, whether that is, is a knock-on effect from that. So I think this is a good time for Aston Villa to be playing Wolves. I think January is, is a big month for Nuno Espirito Santo because the squad does look short of depth now, especially without Jimenez, and we still don't know when, when he will be back. So I, I would make a, a good case for Villa, and, and we know their away form is probably better than at, at Villa Park for, for picking up a positive result here and, and getting their season back on track. Darren, Aston Villa have got the sort of positive, I suppose, in the fact that they'll be well-rested. They didn't play last week because of the COVID-19 outbreak at Newcastle United. Um, Wolves were getting the run around at Liverpool at that time. Do you expect um, Jack Grealish, fresh from his party, uh, and Ross Barkley et al., to run right at Wolverhampton Wanderers? Do you think they'll be fresh enough to be able to cause Nuno's team a problem? Well, it'll be interesting to see whether they play, given the fact that Villa have, quote-unquote, had to remind them of their responsibilities. They, they, Again, they'll, they'll play. They'll play. Well, well, well this Grealish is, will definitely play. And, and, and OK, he'll play, but then sometimes you have to find a way to enforce discipline at your football club. And the fo- football as an industry is really weird because you can do something bad, be clearly in the wrong, and if you have a good performance, you've answered your critics. Uh, it has such a weird kind of moral code um, because actually if the, he was really enforcing discipline, he would drop Grealish and he would drop uh, Barkley because I think he should. Other players who, you know, don't go around bringing the club into disrepute. Um, And there you have two big stars who appear to believe they're above the law. And that might not be comfortable to say or to hear, but it's a fact. And I think if those two, if Barkley was at Chelsea, he wouldn't play this weekend. You know that, Sam. You support your club. You saw what happened with the taxi incident and the other incidents. If Barkley was at Chelsea, he wouldn't play. And it'd be unclear as to when he would play well, again. He won't play because he's injured. Um, so he's unlikely oh, to I'm, play I'm anyway. just saying, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm saying that if you're looking at Grealish, if he were at a bigger club, if he did yeah. get that move to United for argument's sake, he wouldn't play. Anyway, look, focus on the Well, actually, if he, went, if he, got, if he, got, if he got, got a move to Manchester United, he probably would play. There was four of their last five and that really fascinates me because before that run they'd won six of their previous seven and it looks like they can't cope with pressure because there was a lot of expectation around the, the initial run and then who did they lose to? Leeds, they lost to Southampton, they lost to Brighton, they lost to West Ham. Uh, okay, they were very, very unlucky to lose to West Ham, but the fact is they lost. Um, and against Arsenal, they were brilliant. 
So it looks very much as though they're good when the pressure's not on them to win. But when the pressure's on them, they can't cope with it. So I would go with Wolves. I don't think you can judge Wolves by that defeat at Liverpool because Liverpool are just different class. I think Wolves will be better. Uh, Aston Villa are actually very good away from home. They've won five of their last six on the road and they will be out for revenge after Wolves did the double over them at uh, the end of last season. I think they will win, yeah. I think Aston Villa will win the game because I think they've got more of a goal threat and I think that Wolverhampton Wanderers are struggling to score goals. They looked out of sorts in the game against uh, Liverpool and were very well beaten. He also keeps changing his defensive shape, doesn't he? One week it's a back three, then it's a back four. The last three matches have been back four. Not completely sure of um, his best team at this moment in time. Uh, at eight o'clock on Saturday, live on TalkSport, it is Everton against Chelsea uh, at Goodison Park. And Chelsea, who are in particularly good form at present, uh, end up taking on another member of the early pace setters in Everton who have actually had a bit of a wobble since. And of course, it's Frank Lampard against the, the man who won Chelsea the double. Yeah, the Carlo Ancelotti derby, um, as, as we should call it. Do you know what? I think it, it it says all you need to know about how far Chelsea have come under Frank Lampard, even since the start of the season when they were were leaking goals for fun with, with, with Kepa chucking in every shot that came his way. I think they're going to be too streetwise for Everton. Um, I think they'll keep it defensively tight. They'll manage to stifle the threat of um, Calvert-Lewin and, and James Rodriguez, who seems to have gone off the boil. And if Gabby Agbonlahor is to be believed, that's because it's a bit cold for him in England um, this time of year. I think actually we're seeing the James Rodriguez that, that that was playing for the past couple of years in his career at Bayern and Real Madrid and not the one that seemed to adapt to the Premier League so easily. Um, so I, I think Chelsea will keep a clean sheet and I think they'll win the game. And if they do keep a clean sheet, they've got a great chance of going to on to win the game, Darren, because um, this is a side that uh, have only found to score against Manchester United, Spurs and uh, Liverpool this season. But in their other matches, they've scored 25 league goals, which is second only to Liverpool. Yeah, you know what I think about Chelsea full stop. I think they are live contenders for the title. I think that up front, they're sensational, score goals for fun. They've solved the problem that they had at the back of not being able to keep clean sheets. And Kanti playing in his rightful position as a defensive midfielder mm. is just outstanding. I can't see a weak link in the Chelsea team. I think Chelsea will win. Everton keeps shooting themselves in the foot. And I think they'll go out and they'll buy, uh, they'll, they'll look at competition at the very least for the goalkeeper. I know Robin Olsen's there, but I think he's a stopgap. I think they'll look for serious competition for the keeper. And I think they'll look at improving that defence as well. The one thing I will say is this. I don't like this thing about Rodriguez. It's a bit cold. And I think Gabby's wrong on that. And and Gabby knows I love him to pieces. But I just think when they lost Richarlison, when he was sent off and then had a couple of key injuries to other players as well. I think Rodriguez himself was out for a, a little while then and his rhythm was disrupted and he can't get that back. Um, I, I think we have to be careful not to fall. Certainly, yeah, I do. I think we're careful not to fall into those old sort of, oh, it's cold, so he can't perform, you know, because I think Rodriguez is a high, high-class high footballer and I think he was very much in the zone, but the team have lost their way. They've gone from being top to ninth, and, and they just now can't stop shooting themselves in the foot. So, yeah, I've got a bit of sympathy for it. It's also not been that cold either. Well, quite. You wouldn't have said that if you were sat in Fratton Park last Saturday. Crikey. <laughs> you needed a beer I don't jacket. know about James Rodriguez, but I struggled to perform on a cold Saturday <laughs> afternoon. 
<laughs> Everton, one win in six, and that was against Fulham. Defensively, they've had a real problem, haven't they? And we've mentioned the injuries to Coleman and Luca Dina, but how do you solve those? Because there are 12 matches without a clean sheet, which actually suggests that going back a little bit further than uh, the injuries to those two players, they have had sort of systemic problems in that area. Well, the issue you've got is they're a team who give you chances and obviously losing both their two first-choice fullbacks when they rely on them so heavily to start attacks is a problem. But I don't trust the central defenders either. I think Yerry Mina is a player who's got a mistake in him. Michael Keane, for me, is still not 100% foolproof. And I think Mason Holgate is still feeling his way back to full fitness. So I was surprised. Actually, I know they signed Godfrey, but he's played out of position more often than not. I was surprised they didn't go for a a proven top-class central defender in the summer transfer window. And I wouldn't be surprised if if Carlo Ancelotti looks to bring someone in in January. Obviously, January is a much more difficult time to do business than the summer. But for me, that's a problem. And that's, that's before you get to Jordan Pickford, who is a last line of defence. Isn't exactly watertight either, is he? Um, I just think we should play a little bit of tribute to Fran Kirby, who this week became Chelsea's all-time women's top goal scorer. It took her less than 80 seconds to score in a 5-0 Champions League win and as a result became the top scorer in Chelsea's history. Well done to her. Right, Sunday is always fun day on TalkSport with the Sunday session on air at 2pm with Andy Cole, Perry Groves and I, followed by the Darren Bent boot room as we follow and react to all the live football as it happens. It's like a listen-along Uh, This Sunday is as packed as Santa's sack. Let's start with Crystal Palace against Tottenham 2.15 on Sunday. Jose laughing when asked about possession at the weekend. Ironically, he could laugh along with Roy because uh, we've been given them both stick about a lack of possession, but they are both doing more than okay. And I think any criticism, Darren, of Tottenham's team not being good to watch is is undermined by the fact that actually they are quite fascinating to watch because they come up with some brilliant goals and I don't think you can take away that they scored what could be considered one of the goals of the season so far in that North London derby when Son struck early in the match Um, not every team can be tiki-taka not every team can play out from the back and, 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 and push it around through the thirds and have 97 passes before scoring a goal trust me the, the success-starved Spurs fans certainly don't care about how they win. They just want to win something. Absolutely. I tweeted about this the other day. Um, I, I just don't understand this criticism of Spurs in the first place because they scored five against Southampton, seven against Maccabi Haifa in the Europa League, six against Man United in the Premier League, uh, two right, against Darren. City, three or... <laughs> I thought they were particularly good that day. Oh, they were sensational on that day. Um, Three or more goals on six occasions this season. Now, you're looking at a North London derby. We previewed it last weekend. We said that despite the relative, uh, the the form of the two teams, you know when you go into a derby, it could go out of the window, just like it could in a Manchester derby this weekend. So you're going to keep it a bit tighter if you're Jose. And he did superbly. That's why I couldn't care less about the possession stats in that (laughs) game. All that matters is the victory. And... You know, I just can't agree with the idea that they can't play. They can play when it when the occasion demands it, but now they need discipline if they're going to stay the course. And I think with Mourinho there, they will because he knows when to be tight and he knows when to open up. 
Um, I loved his response, actually, to uh, somebody asking about whether or not they could have been a little bit more progressive. He said, uh, we could have done more with the ball and we could have taken a risk to hurt them more, but we were 2-0 up. So why? <laughs> I think that was a little sledge of Arsenal as well, to be honest. But um, <laughs> Listen, Mourinho's got his swagger back, hasn't he? There's no problem about that. Even And that, he's laughing as well. It's great. He, exactly. He was laughing. At, it was a foul throw, wasn't it? I think it, that, that made him chuckle. He keeps trotting out the pony line. See what I did there? Trotting out. Um, the fact that you had to explain it. Uh, oh, sorry. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. But for me, they, they aren't ponies in this title race. They, they are very much stayers. Um, and I think they're going to be competing right until the end of the season. And I agree with Darren. I think it's a little bit of a myth that they're, they're not great to watch. I mean, some of the goals they've scored this season. Yeah. Exhibit A, Son against Arsenal last week. Exhibit B, Harry Kane's rapid counter-attack finish as well. So... I think it's a lazy narrative. Yes, they they defend well, but teams who win Premier League titles have to defend well. Let's not forget that Liverpool only became contenders when they signed a proper goalkeeper and, and Virgil van Dijk. And I think actually, if you look at Spurs' back line, there's nobody there of the ilk of, of van Dijk. So you have to credit Mourinho. He, he's got them watertight as a unit because of good old-fashioned coaching. And I don't think that should be disparaged. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Okay, we've got to rattle through the next couple of games because we've still got about six games to preview for the weekend and we've been harping on about some of the big matches that are taking place on TalkSport. Let's talk about Fulham against Liverpool 7-15 Sunday night. I mean, I think we all anticipate this to be quite a very hefty Liverpool win. Can anybody make a case for something different? Okay, I- all right. <laughs> <laughs> Turns page rather awkwardly. <laughs> Listen, I think Fulham have improved as the season's gone on under Scott Parker. And again, I think um, you, you have to credit the work that he's done on the training ground. They're not quite as vulnerable defensive as they were. Adam Ola-Lukman um, has been a great signing in terms of changing defence um, into attack. Liverpool are just a juggernaut, aren't they? They're yeah. just ruthless. Um, 26 goals so far this season. A team that apparently are struggling with so many injuries. And I think we should probably praise the fact that they have managed to get themselves uh, into the position they are on the table, despite the fact that they've had so many problems. They, they promoted youngsters into the squad and all of those youngsters have settled very quickly. 
I didn't know they had injuries. Jurgen Klopp doesn't really talk about that, does he? There he goes. Uh, let's move on to Southampton against uh, Sheffield United. Now, I don't know if you know this, but uh, you know Ralph Harsenhutl? He plays the piano. Yeah, that's right. He plays the piano. He plays a bit of Elton John. He plays jazz singer Dave Brubeck if he's uh, feeling a little bit angry and wants to test himself. He plays Queen. Uh, and he's getting a tune out of Southampton, Darren, as well, isn't he? Because they're all singing from the same hymn sheet. You set yourself up nicely for that, didn't you? Yeah, um, I did. Yeah, it's really, it took, <laughs> took me about 12 hours to come up with it. <laughs> he celebrated two years at the club last week. I was on his press conference and he talked about the mentality that he felt he'd succeeded in changing at the club. And he has all the tools to have a really decent season. I He said during the press conference that his aim is to finish in the top 10. Mm-hmm. And given that he inherited a team that he said was 16th or 17th when he took over, he would see a top 10 finish as progress. And I would tend to agree. I think they're back to being a side that develops players, makes the most of the players that they bring in. And I think that they'll be very efficient against a Sheffield United side that can't win can't stop losing and they're going to go down. Ralph Hasenhutl also said that the lack of crowd has actually helped the development of the team to be braver on the ball because no one is screaming at you when you are doing something unconventional. Now, this is a team that have got learned behaviours and they've gone through that process and he believes that they can now become more comfortable when the crowd comes back in because they won't negatively react to the oohs and jeers when they are perceived to be taking risks on the ball and that is another sign that he is just pushing the team forward inch by inch month by month yeah I think it's a really relevant point because we know that since Ronald Koeman walked out for Everton their home form has been pretty poor um, mm. up until this season and I think the the negativity at times of the St Mary's crowd has has, has played a part in that um, so the fact that they've they've managed to find a way to play without the fans I, I think will set them in good stead obviously that 9-0 Leicester defeat gets mentioned a lot and Ralph was proud to come out and say that he was still standing um, after that they are going to lose games and with the crowd it's going to be interesting to see how they react because losing football matches is just part of the circle of life um, but you know I think he's become their rocket man Ralph Arsenal he's uh, taken them up to fifth place in the table and he's certainly feeling the love tonight of all the Southampton faithful can oh. I get any more Elton John puns in there are they the only ones that you know uh, I, do you know what I just googled Elton John songs um, but I, I, I think for Southampton it, it, <laughs> the long term worry is that he gets snapped up by a bigger club and then goes breaking their heart oh god. Oh. <laughs> that was the worst one of the lot. Uh, yeah, very good. Very uh, I think uh, let's just quickly touch on Sheffield United because they are in serious trouble. They've lost 13 of their last 14 league games. And we, we can't keep talking about what the problems are. We know what the problems are. They, they've let in too many goals, although they're still not bad defensively. They do just seem to concede in every single game. And that's a problem when you can't score and they, and they don't seem to be able to do that either but they need a spark they need something they need a, a dramatic moment that, that shifts things for them mentally because they're not a bad team they're just struggling for confidence and struggling to do the things that will keep them up so uh, I, I hope that they find it whether they'll find it this weekend or not I, I, I'm not entirely sure Newcastle versus West Brom and Leeds against West Ham on a Friday night to come but first <laughs> Lucy, our esteemed producer, is here to explain a new twist on roulette rivalry. Lucy, how are you? 
Hello. Yeah, I'm not too bad, sir. I'm just absolutely bloody knackered from that puppy. I, oh, you've, oh, the mascot has arrived. The uh, TalkSport Game Day Premier League Preview Podcast. That's a mouthful. Uh, mascot has arrived. Teddy. Teddy Sheringham, yeah. Well, no, he's just Teddy. He's not Teddy Sheringham. He's just Teddy. Although we like Teddy because he did so well down at Portsmouth. Indeed, but he's not doing very well in this house. He's causing an absolute drama. Oh, really? What, 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 <laughs> what What's he been like? We're in that teething stage at the minute. And this morning I was sat quietly having a coffee before this recording and he actually pounced on my head. Okay. Did you go down Grealish style or did you stay on your feet? <laughs> no, I stood my ground. <laughs> okay, so what? how can you entertain a puppy of how old is he? What, a couple of days, weeks, months? Couple of days? I don't know how Tell it works. I'm not a dog person. No, I'm not. I'm not, a per- I'm not an animal person. I don't like animals. He's 10 weeks old. Is he? 10 weeks old. All right. How lovely. I, I tell you what I love about animals is people showing me pictures of other people's animals. I don't want to clear up the mess. I don't want to smell them. I don't want them to touch me. I don't want them to come anywhere near me. Uh, but I'm quite happy to look at them from a very, very long distance. Magical. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's crack on. So this again uh, is Roulette Rivalry 1 to watch. So you will have 45 seconds to talk about a player from one of the games from the weekend. And Ooh. this week we are looking at Arsenal v Burnley. Yes, what a cracker. Right, Darren, I think we'll start with you, see if you can redeem yourself from last week. Did He had Matthias Pereira, didn't he, last week, who uh, got sent off after about 25 minutes. <laughs> he took and 10 he, seconds to say his name. Yeah, he did confirm for us he is a player, which is always <laughs> nice. I'm going to give you Alexandra Lacazette and your time starts now Lacazette is a really frustrating player because he just doesn't score enough goals quite simply I think it's one in his last 10 for Arsenal that was against Rapid Vienna the fascinating thing about Lacazette is if you took him out of Arsenal and stuck him in another team I think he'd get the ammunition to score goals for fun but in the Arsenal team, it just doesn't work. Arsenal at the moment, 15th in the Premier League and with a player of his ability should be a lot higher. That's even before you get to Aubameyang. But, you know, put Aubameyang to one side. You speak to a lot of Arsenal fans and they say that if they were to keep one of the two, it would be Lacazette because they feel he does more. And Aubameyang is very much a penalty box player. But Lacazette is struggling for goals this season. Even if you go back to last season, he only scored 12 in 39 which is just not good enough for a player of his ability. Did you just call time there? Yeah, I did. About 25 seconds ago. Is he, the, <laughs> is he, is he Arsenal's top scorer this season? Uh, I don't think he is. I think own goals are <laughs> Arsenal's top scorer. <laughs> yeah. He's only played 565 yeah. minutes of Premier League football this season, that is it. He scored three goals. Is that a bad return? They should have sold him in the summer. I think there was interest with Juventus. I think he wanted to go. Probably should have cashed in. Right, next up, I'm going to give you, Crook, Mr. Chris Wood. And your time starts now. See, Sam loves that because he thinks this is the difficult one. I would have liked to talk about the fact that Aubameyang should be dropped from the Arsenal team, but let's talk about Chris Wood as he's the player I've picked out. I think he's a player who actually would thrive in the Arsenal team given the number of crosses that they seem to love to lump in the penalty area. I think he would be able to get his substantial jump and head on the end of them. Hasn't scored enough goals for Burnley this season. They as a team haven't scored enough goals and obviously they've not been able to get Wood um, alongside Ashley Barnes on a regular basis. I think that's a problem because they were such a, a potent strike force in terms of the outlet they gave for the team um, last season. But 
despite the fact they've improved defensively, I still think Arsenal won't like it up them. And uh, if Burnley can get high balls into the area, Chris Wood could just have a bit of joy in this game and uh, make it a miserable festive period for Mikel Arteta. Just keep going until you finish, yeah? Lucy, are you, are you struggling to, to deal with your stopwatch today? Well, no, there's just no response after a crook's thing. Why aren't you talking about Chris Wood? To be fair, I think to get 30 seconds out of Chris Wood was a good effort. <laughs> it's not really not really one of those players that runs into added on time. Do you know what? I haven't commentated on Burnley. Can you believe this is true, right? Bearing in mind how many matches I do over a quarter of a season. I haven't commentated on Burnley since they have, were re-promoted to the Premier League. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. Why? Because their, their matches just never fall in our slot. Well, they're never picked at, at, at the prime times, are they? I mean, our, our slots are 5.30 and 12.30 and we never pick that. And uh, over the Christmas period when we have the pick of the bunch, you know, with all due respect, you're not going to pick Burnley, are you? So... Um, well, you're saying you're too big time to go to I, 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 I didn't say that I said talk no, sport well, you talk, just said talk. with all due respect which is what people say when they're about to be disrespectful so <laughs> and with all due respect Darren I think we should move on <laughs> finally Sam yes you have the man everyone wants to talk about, mm. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. And your time starts now. Well, I agree with Crook, actually, that I think he should be dropped from the team. And I think he should be dropped from the team because nothing at the moment is going his way. He's just been fined by the African Confederation for comments that he put on social media about the terrible conditions that faced him and his teammates when he arrived in Gambia for international duty during the last international break. And the fact that he's been fined for that just shows, I mean, well, lack of respect to him and, and that the fact that nothing will go right for him at present 987 minutes he's played in the Premier League this season he's come up with two goals and his expected goals is just over two so it's 2.03 or something like that which shows you that he's not missing big chances he's just not getting any chances and that's a serious problem not only for him oh. see, when she says stop I just stopped do you see that yeah, I like the fact you plucked that stat out as well because we're not supposed to be using notes for this section, but, you know... That, <laughs> that was obviously just in your brain somewhere. It, it was, and I'll tell you why it was in my brain somewhere. The, uh, the, the expected goal stats... And inquiry no, need to come I, up I, I, I was doing a piece yesterday on the Arsenal mm. strikers, which is why yeah, I know well, off the top of my head that the expected well, goals ratios and the minutes that they've played. I can't help yeah, it. That's no, good. It's good. Just, it's called preparation, guys. I mean, you know, crook it'd be good for you to do some at some stage. But you're not uh, supposed to prepare for this section. Have you have you seen have, have you seen the Manchester City goals yet? <laughs> no. Uh, right, let's move on. And Leeds versus West Ham is Friday night at eight o'clock. And this is a clash of philosophies and a clash of managers, isn't it? David Moyes against Marcelo Bielsa at Ellen Road. And Leeds have won just one of five at Ellen Road. Uh, what, why is that, Darren? Because they're too open uh, and they only know how to play one way, which is great if you are a fan um, and obviously if you're a TV viewer. But if you are... A neutral, you look at them and you say they've got good players, they've got a good manager, but you just can't keep expecting to open up and play to the gallery and drop points uh, if you want to stay in the Premier League. I mean, look, this is an opportunity, ironically, to open up against a West Ham team that like to play. But I, I would like to see them. It's quite interesting, isn't it? We, we People criticise Jose, but Jose knows when to open up and when to keep it tight. And that's why he's got Spurs at the top. That's the kind of thing that Leeds should be doing. 
Prior to the defeat against Chelsea, they had kept back-to-back clean sheets, Leeds United. Uh, so they sort of almost recognised that problem, I think. And actually, that 3-1 victory by Chelsea wasn't as um, dramatic as maybe it, the scoreline looks. Uh, West Ham like playing against teams that come onto them because it gives them the, the space to counter-attack. And that is a philosophy that West Ham are quite happy with when they've got Mikel Antonio in the team because he offers you that pace in behind. But without him in the team, that is a real problem. And I think West Ham are in a bit of a conundrum as to how to to, to, to face up this fixture because that game plan is not available to them, Crook. And also, they're not a team who score bags of goals. They're pretty ruthless with the chances that that, that come their way. So I, I think this is a game where Leeds actually can afford to play quite open, knowing that, as you say, West Ham don't necessarily have the, the capability to get in behind them on a regular basis. They're also not great at holding on to Leeds, um, West Ham either. They've dropped more points from winning positions in the calendar year than any other team. So that suggests, despite the fact that David Moyes is a very pragmatic manager and uh, a defensive first manager this team's still are gettable. So I think this is a good fixture for Leeds to, to get back to winning ways. And their season is just a bit of a tipping point at the moment because they've had a fantastic start, no question about that. But at the moment, they're still looking slightly anxious towards the relegation zone. They need they need to start picking up some victories to move up the table and into that top half where I think a lot of Leeds fans have so much faith in BL, so they see them as a top half team. Um, if West Ham struggle to hold on to Leeds, uh, then I suppose we should go for a home win. That's Friday night at 8 o'clock. Um, Sunday, Leicester against Brighton, 7.15. I must just admit, I've got a piece of paper in front of me with a lot of handwritten notes on it. And uh, I've just tried to swipe up on the piece of paper to the next game, like it's a touch screen. That's a, that's a very odd sort of sensation. I just put my finger on the paper and try to swipe up to the next game. Anyway, uh, Leicester against Brighton then, turning the page. Um, <laughs> Leicester not in great shape. They needed a late winner against Sheffield United on Sunday and they struggled against Fulham and against Liverpool, Darren. And Brighton were actually unlucky not to get something on Monday night against Southampton. Yeah, they were. I mean, Leicester's position in the table is false for me. They're a good team, but I don't think they're title contenders. I don't think they've got enough depth. I don't think they've got enough up front. I think that they're too uncertain at the back. They've only won one of their last four. That victory was against Sheffield. Sorry, one of their last five. And that victory was against Sheffield United. Obviously, that five includes a Europa League game as well. But I was really, really disappointed to see them lose at Fulham. They lose at home to Fulham. And that defeat kind of summed up the trouble with Leicester. They've become a team you can't quite trust at the moment. They've got good players, they've got a good manager, but there is just something about the way that they're playing that says to me that they have not got it in them to to, to sustain. I don't even think a top four challenge. I think they need more depth and I think they need more in the window in January. Brighton we constantly say are better than their position suggests. They should have more points. They should have scored more goals. But we're 11 games into the season now, Crook. Do you sort of now have to accept that actually this is just how good you are? You're not scoring goals at one end. You might be creating half chances, but you're not taking them. And as a result, you know you are exactly where you expect to be, which is just sort of in that sort of no man's land above the relegation zone. Yeah, and the stats tell us that this is Brighton's worst start to any of their Premier League campaigns, despite the fact that they're playing far better football 
um, than they did under Chris Hewton. And, and there's no disrespect at all to Chris Hewton, who's a great guy and did a fantastic job in, in getting them into the Premier League and stabilising them. But they made a change because they wanted a more attractive brand. They wanted a more progressive coach. I think they've got that in Graham Potter. But I'll use that term that I used about Chelsea streetwise. At the moment, Brighton haven't got that. In the second half against Southampton, when they weren't playing particularly well, they should have gone more defensive and just try to at least not lose the match but they're not great at seeing out results they still don't have someone who puts the ball in the net regularly enough uh, Neil Mope clearly there's a problem there between him and Graham Potter he's not getting the minutes since that training ground spat Danny Welbeck did okay the other night but again I don't think he's someone who's going to score lots of goals I was talking to Adam Milana at half time um, in that Brighton game and he's someone they've really missed that creative spark um, from midfield but they did win this fixture last season and again Brendan Rodgers likes to attack that might just suit Brighton how is Adam is he okay feeling alright yeah, he thinks he might be fit for this game good how many minutes is he going to play that's the big question isn't it <laughs> the problem is, is if he's got a friend in the stand you know and he'd rather sit with you than be out on the pitch then I can under- listen I, I would I would rather sit next to you than be out on, the, on a pitch being cold and running around and uh, overexerting myself we were actually having a bovril I bet, I, I bet you were I bet you were a romantic bovril you and Adam uh, right okay uh, does he play the piano too like Ralph is that is that is that how is that how he got your heart not, not that I know of alright okay uh, Newcastle versus West Bromwich Albion uh, is the last game we're going to look at today. I uh, don't understand why this is last on the list. Uh, West Bromwich Albion beaten 5-1 last week by Crystal Palace and Slavin Bilic could be fighting for his job if they end up getting a heavy defeat here. Darren? Yeah, I, I can see that being the case. I, I think that there are a couple of clubs for whom the second season, the, sorry, the second half of the season might be better with a change of manager, sad to say. I didn't think it would happen. Um, I remember a few shows ago saying that I don't think Sheffield United should sack Chris Wilder. And I would would actually stick by that. I think, you know, for better or for worse, but I think the owners of the club might look at it, just to be clear, the owners of the club might look at it and say, maybe we need new voices in the dressing room. Maybe we need a change of style. It's something because the sequence is just too bad and that's the case with West Brom. But, but couldn't you do that or, in both cases by adding players to the squad, changing the, the, the dressing room dynamic rather than changing the ma- the manager? Because one of the things we've noticed early in this season is, is that not many managers are losing their jobs and, and, and there's probably a couple of reasons for that. One is that the season is truncated and we're not as far along as we would be at this stage. We're only 12, 11, 12 games into the season. The other is, is that because of the coronavirus pandemic, we're in a situation where actually the cost of replacing a manager is 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 high and the finances are restricted. Plus, I think you have to look at the fact that now, when you change the manager, you change the manager, the backroom staff, you've got to pay them off. Then you've got to bring in a new manager. That might cost you. Then you've also got to bring in that new manager's players. And that's a huge amount of investment. And at this stage, not many people have the resources to do that. I think it's a great point and especially pertinent when it comes to to West Bromwich Albion because from what I'm told, had they not been promoted um, to the Premier League last season, they would have been in big financial trouble. They didn't spend much in the window. Obviously, Higazi was sold against Bilic's wishes. So clearly funds are running a bit dry there. So I think think you might be right. That might just buy Slavon Bilic a stay of execution. By the way, 
on the opposite side, how grateful will Steve Bruce be that Newcastle are still in tier three and they're no, therefore no fans can attend this game? Because even <laughs> 2,000 angry Geordies, I think, would be a problem for him. Oh dear, the only the only man in the world who's delighted that his uh, his area is in T three. Um, I must admit, I'm in tier three, and it's re- very it's very frustrating. Yeah, but, you know, that's the way it is. I think yeah, we're hearing that even London can be in tier three by this time yeah. next week. That could be a problem. Uh, so we'll have no fans anywhere. Uh, Newcastle versus West Brom is Saturday at three o'clock. Right. Thank you very much to both of you. I, I enjoyed your company. Thank you. Yeah, it was okay. And by the way, I, I, I must sort of point out that whereas Darren always sort of sets himself up to make the uh, the backdrop of his Zoom call look perfect and he dresses elegantly, you just turn up in a ropey old T-shirt, a pair of headphones like the guy out of Something About Mary. And um, I, I don't know where you're sitting, but it's always at an angle where we can sort of see more of your chin than the, mo- the rest of your face. Well, why, why, why are you so sloppy? Well, the attire, um, I'm taking my lead from uh, your Sunday session colleague, Perry Groves. Well, that's uh, never a good idea. He seems to turn up dressed as the boiler man. He got told off. He got pulled into the office for that. You know that, don't you? Did he really? Yeah, he got pulled into the office and they said, uh, Perry, you know, know, we know we're on radio, but uh, we're now filming quite a lot of what we do for social media. Is there any chance that you could smarten up, you oik? He, he clearly didn't, did he? Because he still turned up dressed as a boiler man last Sunday. To me, I said to him, I thought we told you, they told you to, to smarten up. And he said, yeah, I'm wearing a white T-shirt. <laughs> um, I've actually got my wife's heart-shaped pictures behind me, but we're moving house soon. And I'm so impressed with your setup, Sam, and yours too, Darren, to a lesser extent. I'm, I'm going to plan something special for the house move. Don't worry. Oh, great. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to look like Pat Sharp's fun house, isn't it? From the early 90s. Uh, right. <laughs> To a lesser extent. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. He, did. he lesser extended you off. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, that's it for us. Uh, we'll see you on Monday for a look back at the weekend's football. When you wake up, Alex Crook and I will be there. Who we got this week? Do you know? Is Glenn Murray coming? Uh, I saw him the other night and I have messaged him. He hasn't come back to me yet. Adam so Lalana. What about Adam Lalana? You could organise that, couldn't you? <laughs> Andy Cole's not done one for a while. What yep, about him? It could be Andy Cole. It could be Andy Cole. It could be Perry Groves. But then again, you know, we've got a high level of threshold in terms of sartorial elegance. So I doubt it. Uh, we'll see you on Monday. Rate and review the podcast. Uh, please download it and tell all your friends to do so as well. This is the TalkSport Game Day Premier League Preview Podcast. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 